Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hi everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimrose, I'm here with Adam Creenvale. Hi. I'm I'm Adam Carnavale. Carnavale. It's okay. No, I... I read in the thing and I was like... I purposely yeah. misspelt it on Facebook as a great... It's it's a whole long story. My dad's so <laughs> mad at me about it. Oh my God. Every time, every time we're talking about Facebook in any way, my dad's like, why don't you use... My dad's so proud of his surname. So weirdly proud. It is a fun surname, though, to be honest. Carnivale. Yeah. It's so carnival, but like Italian. Yeah. my <laughs> Is that what that is? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so... If you literally translate it carnival or, you know, like fair or festival or whatever. Mm-hmm. But apparently we spoke to a Italian priest once and the priest said, well, that's the literal translation. If you... Apparently you're supposed to break it up into can veil which means like time before Lent or something like that, which is also a celebration, but he's like, it's this specific celebration is what your name refers to, actually. So, fuck, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, if you say breaking it down more, it gets more interesting, right? Yeah. In, don't, 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 Am I allowed to swear? Yes. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I've, fine. I've sworn already, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah you've already skipped past that, but uh, yeah. uh, I do love that. Car- Carnevale. It's such yeah. a fun way of saying it, but yeah, okay. So, Adam, Carnevale then. Um, you want to give your own introduction to your state? Presence here in Sans Pants, just in case I miss anything. Yeah, I'm the resident dungeon master on the D&D show D&D is for Nerds. I sometimes contribute to stuff like Plumbing the Death Star or Thumb Cramps, and I'm a pretty pretty, re- pretty big regular on Shut Up a Second. I do a lot of stuff across the board. Mm-hmm. Some behind-the-scenes work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad describes me as a struggling artist, but I would say digital content producer. Very similar things. We've yeah. spoken a lot about my dad today. Yeah, like, is this a oh, therapy session? Oh, oh, we're going to go into that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> how this show works. So that's, um, that is like, that's actually like, we can talk about whatever. That's, yeah. And it can be yeah, funny yeah. or serious. Oh, you go. So, okay. So that's your general placement within Sans Pants, which obviously is this podcast network that we're all a part of. Yes. And that's kind of, do you, do you work outside of that as well? No, no, I don't. This is the focus of your time right now. Yep. Perfect. So uh, I guess we might as well get started straight away on, so now that we know who you are, do you want to go with what you've brought in today? I brought in a book called, a play really, but it's in book form before me now, called A Man for All Seasons by Robert Bolt. I was first introduced to it in year 11 or 12, I forget which, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It's like one of those rare cases of you were forced to read a book in high school 
and you actually enjoyed it. I loved it so much. That's, yeah, you're the second person, actually, because that Dushron, he was loving. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was uh, loving, what's it called, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Oh, really? And again, had to do it in school, and he actually kind of oh, enjoyed it. That's so interesting. To- yeah. You bunch of nerds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the school recommended reading. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that we're so early on in this uh, pod and we're already onto plays. So we're already <laughs> expanding the format. We've so. run out of ideas. Yeah. ideas. There are so there's so few books out I there. Know, it's just so tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did love because you were you were saying in the build up to this that you wanted to not necessarily maybe your most favorite. You want to do the maybe un un oh yeah treasure or is this oh. literally your fave? I I don't know if I'd call it my favorite. But I thought it would be something interesting, at least. I didn't want to bring like a, I didn't want to bring like a Harry Potter or something like that. Yeah. Harry Potter, you know, I love. It's a great series and stuff like that. But favorite Harry Potter book? Ooh, good question. I would say my favorite Harry Potter book would probably be number number six, the second six? last. Yeah, that's crazy. Half Blood yeah. Prince. Wow. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. We've been with the characters long enough, and they're old enough that we can explore complicated issues and themes, but it's, like, still not the end where where you can, like, I, I don't know, I feel like there's never going to be, nothing will ever have a truly satisfying ending. Yeah, but I reckon they did fairly nail the landing. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, I, was, I was quite impressed. I would say the number seven is still, like, an amazing book, but... Like yeah. everyone, everyone has their own interpretation of how they want it to end, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And so you're never going to get that perfectly, I guess. I don't know something about it. And number seven as well, because they're not in school as well. Yeah. It changes the dynamic of the story a lot. And I quite working within that constraint makes things interesting. I think. Okay, cool. I mean, uh, the the right answer is book four, but that's fine. <laughs> What's that's um, Goblet of Fire? Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, I think Goblet of Fire is down there for me. Like. As in not, Ooh. it's probably like bottom three, maybe. I would put, I would rate the Order of the Phoenix ahead of that. Dolores Umbridge is probably the best antagonist the series has seen. That's a valid point, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. just infuriating. How good's a good like? It's oh annoying. yeah, not even they don't like them. Where it's they have to be annoying for them to be like truly villainous because you have to just literally dislike them. There's something yeah about like how every element of a human being is so easily hateable that you can despise them on every level. It feels like you you can let go and you're safe to hate everything about them. Yeah. No redeemable qualities. Yeah, no, no it's, uh, yeah, that's true, actually. It's completely safe in every way to hate her, as long as it's for the right. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was, so, yes. But instead, we're going to do... A Man for All Seasons. Here, A Man for All Seasons. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't read it and I haven't seen it before. Have you seen it before? I have seen it performed both live and the 1966... I want to say the 1966 movie that had um oh what's his name famous famous English actor uh, no nah, it's escaping me but there was a famous English actor Ian that, McKellen no no it was like a John Hurt that's it John Hurt was in it I'm, I can't wait for someone to message in and be like John Hurt's American I actually don't know off the top of my head I think he's English I think he's English yeah I love that just the pedanticness okay. Um, yeah, so, so you've seen the movie and you've seen it live. Where'd you see it live? I saw it. My school took me to a production of it. I forget where, but a production by like a student theater company who they, they were like, they're, oh no. Yeah, I know that get, get this. So two things that you should watch out for. First thing, student theater. Second one, a remake where they make it interesting and fun and bring it up to line. So there's like a scene 
So Henry VIII is a character in real life, but also is a character in the play. When they're introducing his character, all of the like the actors come out and they're like, you know, King Henry was kind of a big deal in his time. He was like the modern day superstar or whatever. And they open the curtains. His introduction, I think, is on a boat riding up along the river. He's on like a small little boat or whatever, and he's dressed. He's dressed like a like a rapper, basically. <laughs> As he approaches, he's got like gold chains and stuff. Like people loved him. He came out with all the sickest poems, or like. The modern day rap music of the time sort of stuff. Oh, no. But man, I loved the production. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> Is that like actually separately to the fact that the, like, because that's, I would love that production from the Sandman. I would be laughing the whole time. I really like the material and they did a decent job with it. They did what they did. They were clever in that they didn't change a single word of the script. They just dressed a little bit more period appro- or like modern appropriate. Okay. And uh, they gave a couple like, yeah, yeah. like with the Henry VIII stuff, they were just like explaining who people were and stuff like that. They did it <laughs> in that kind of a manner, but like it, it, it was fine. <laughs> you know, it didn't detract from my enjoyment. <laughs> like that just sounds like the scene, like in a movie where the person gets dragged along yeah, to shoot yeah. the theater. Like it sounds like exactly. <laughs> it's it was so incredible. To- and the fact, and it's like such a, such a thing that could age as well. It's mm. like he was like a modern day like Tom Cruise. It's like, <laughs> it's like just yeah. So okay, right. So you've seen it. So now I guess what we should do. Um, I would usually do a spoiler warning of some. Yes. I think here we don't need to because it's a fairly big, it's like doing a spoiler warning for Hamlet. Or if anything, people might want to listen specifically for the spoilers because they're trying to <laughs> study this in high school. That's true. Okay. Maybe. I, I'm putting the pressure on you because I haven't read it. So you've got to All right. make this as exciting as possible. I will sta- sit and listen. The play is about a character, a person called Thomas More. This is all like real, real life. It's a thing that really happened. And so Thomas More was a figure in, he was like a kind of like a important religiously, but also like in like government. He was an important figure in, in English history. During the reign of King Henry VIII, King Henry, if you don't know, went through a bunch of different wives because he was trying to get a male heir to the throne, but none of the women, for various different reasons that he was with, would provide him a male heir. When someone that he had married kind of didn't look like they were going to provide a male heir, he for he kind of just made up a reason to get rid of them. And at the beginning of the, of the play, during, he is in the middle of his second divorce. And so the entire, the entire like crux of the play revolves around the fact that the Pope has given him special dispensation for his first divorce, is kind of refusing to give him this dispensation a second time. The Pope's like, come on, man. <laughs> I've already helped you out once. Just just settle down. And King yeah, it's like, You're just taking the piss. Yeah, and King Henry VIII is like Like I'm corrupt, but like people are looking now. <laughs> I'm the Pope. And so King Henry VIII is like no, I'm I'm doing this again. The character of Thomas More is like the king loves him and he is kind of very highly regarded. He's seen as someone, he doesn't have a religious rank, but he's seen as very pious and very strongly a man of God and he's seen as someone who is honest. There's a scene early on when cuz he's like a judge adjudicating a case and someone hands him like a golden cup as basically a bribe. That's an old school bribe, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, my lord, have this golden cup yes. bejeweled and bedecked with fineries. Thirsty? Yes. <laughs> Just Please, my lord, this. 
I have them all about my house. Wink, wink. You may keep this mm. one. Um, so someone hands him a, a golden cup as a bribe, basically, to be like, hey, in this decision that you need to make, why don't you favor me? Mm-hmm. And he accepts the cup, but he doesn't realize it's a, he's, he doesn't, it, somehow it doesn't twig that it's a bl- bribe. <laughs> I guess because he's just not that sort of a person. He's that pious. It's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. He's like, all right, if you're giving me a golden cup, I guess. It's a fancy cup to give him, but all right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he... He on his way home meets with his co- with, meets with this person with a great name called Richard uh, Rich Richard or Richard Rich I forget Richard I forget which, Rich I think it's either Richard Rich or Rich Richard I forget so it's which either way. Richie Rich's great yeah, grandfather I know it's crazy and the character is amazing because he's like super this person is all about like status and wealth and power and stuff like that and he's he sees Thomas More. And he sees his success and stuff like that. And he's like, I want what you have. How do I get this power and this respect? And Thomas More basically tells him, like, well, you just got to be a good person. Mm. And Rich is like, no, but what's the scheme? How do you do yeah, what's how do you the trick- hustle? Yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you trick people into making you yeah. seem trustworthy? And he's like, you be trustworthy. I don't understand. He's like, I get what you're saying. Wink, wink. Have yeah. a cup. Now tell me exactly how to look trustworthy. So... Thomas, while conversating with Rich, realizes that the cup is a bribe. So he just, he doesn't want it. Mm. When he realizes it's a bribe, he's like, I can't have this. I can't hold on to it. Even though I know it would not corrupt me, I don't want it in my house because looking at it like stains my soul, basically. So he, throwing it away, he gives it to Rich, essentially, because Rich, that's right, he's looking for a job as well. (laughs) He's like, can I also have a job? Maybe as a judge under you. And so Thomas More is like, no, you can't have a job because you do not seem trustworthy. Here, have this cup, survive off this. This is a very uh, 17th century situation. I know, (laughs) it's incredible. So Rich goes away and we get introduced to another character called Thomas Cromwell, who... Famous guy. Yes. Very famous. So he doesn't really have a job per se, or he has like a title, but... If anyone asks him at any point in the book or in the play, his response to what he does is he does what the king wants him to do. And he is described and portrayed as a very amoral character. So not a character who is evil or good, but a character who doesn't believe that those things exist. He's like, I am only ever doing what is practical. I love it. So he's like like a fixer of back in the day, like one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. He's a medieval fixer. Well, I think it might be a bit later, a period. Anyway, (laughs) that's neither. What year is it? No. Uh, He comes to Thomas More and he's like, hey, the king's going to get a divorce. What are we thinking about that? What are, what are you reckoning? What are, just just give me just give me your uh, cursory Tell opinion. Tell Cromwell <laughs> and Thomas More kind of immediately because he's also he's very clever as well. And so he's like, well, I don't really want to give you any information because I know if I give you information, you can twist it against me later. So Thomas More kind of brushes him off a little bit. And Cromwell goes off to to do whatever slimy things he's going to be doing. And we get introduced to Thomas More's family, and his daughter is getting married with a a Lutheran, which is a big deal, apparently, because Thomas More is like, Lutherans are heretics. Lutherans are the intense religious group, aren't they? I'm actually not sure how they differentiate from regular Catholics or Christians. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, because they'd be like Martin Luther King... 
a Martin Luther hardcore think, people, wouldn't they? I think those who follow the the doctrine of Lutheran or oh, sorry of Martin Luther are Protestant. I think maybe Lutheran is a type of Protestant. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but I think it's like might be because yeah. like the whole thing about being like following Martin Luther is to go back to basics. So yeah. that's why I just assume that Lutheranism must be the most hardline version of that. Well, if Moore is because Moore's follows the Pope, so that would make him Catholic rather than Protestant. So yeah, I think I think it would be a Catholic Protestant divide sort of thing. And this is actually one of those weird things. So like we'll get back it's to okay. yeah, yeah. Because I always thought that it was and this is me showing my dumb knowledge of history, mm. but I always thought that Henry VIII, because he wanted to divorce, he created Protestantism, which obviously isn't the case, right? He because- created the Church of England, which it's also very complicated. The yeah. book does the play does not have time to go into all no, of that. That's, yeah, it's got a much more personal story to yeah. tell. Yeah. So I forget the boyfriend's name. But uh, that's so bad. I was reading it literally moments ago. Anyway, it's okay. <laughs> the boyfriend is like this hothead, and they, he has a conversation with Thomas More about the rules of God versus the rules of man. And the boyfriend is very anti the divorce because that is against the rules of God. And Thomas More, he doesn't really say yes or no. He's just having basically he's just having a debate or a conversation with him, and they discuss. At one point in the play, they discuss how Thomas More is so dogged that this boy reckons you would give the devil the benefit of the doubt. The devil himself, you would give him the benefit of the doubt if the laws of man said that you should. And Thomas More has this great line where he's like, yes, yes, I would give the benefit of the doubt to the devil himself, but only for my own safety's sake. We cannot understand the laws of God. But we know the laws of man, and that ah. is the best the best variation we have. I can't understand how God works, but I understand how we work. I understand how man works. This land, and this, I love this quote, this land is planted thick with laws, like trees around us, and you would cut every single one of them down in your dogged pursuit of the devil. And then, when you had laid the land bare, and there was not a tree standing, and the devil rounded on you, where would you hide? Yes, I would give the devil the benefit of the doubt for my own safety. Thomas More is a man who believes that if he, like he, throughout the entire play, he's like, if I stay quiet, they can't actually get me because I've not broken the law if I stay quiet. And so it comes to like the king starts pressuring Thomas More specifically and other people, but Thomas More specifically, because everyone sees him as such like an honest and upright man. If Thomas More says that the king can remarry, then surely the king can remarry. But Thomas More does not believe the king can marry, but he just stays quiet. He never actually says anything because he knows that the second he starts speaking, people could try to use his words against him, or even worse, he would have to tell the truth. Why is that worse? Because he's a man of his word. He would never lie. So he neither says anything for nor against the king. But he's only doing that because if he did say anything, he would say something against the king. Yeah, he would have to. There's another line as well where, uh, so he gets imprisoned and they're like torturing him and interrogating him to try and force him to say something. And his family comes to see him and his daughter says, maybe you, you say that God respects more what you think rather than what you do. So why not say one thing, but think the other? And Thomas More says, but what is an oath if not a man's word to God? When you take an oath, You hold your soul in your hands like it was water, and there had best not be any gaps between your fingers. 
Okay. We've got a lot to unpack here. I know. <laughs> You've come in steaming, Jesus. <laughs> I'm All very right. passionate about this play. No, I can tell. So, I mean, I know there's probably more to that as well, but I'm just like, okay. Firstly, let's go back to the first thing. You, yeah. So you first discovered this in year 11, year 12, one of those two, right? I believe it was year 11. Year 11. Yeah. Right? And there was selection stuff. And did you read much plays before then? No, I don't think. Oh, no, we, we'd done like Shakespeare. We'd done Romeo and Juliet. We'd done Macbeth. I think that might have been it, though. Right. So this is like your third play yep. almost. And then and you just loved it. I fell in love with it. Absolutely. Yeah. That is interesting. I know all the background to it as well. I know the person who wrote it, Robert Bolt. I've got tons to say about <laughs> Robert Bolt as well. Okay. All right. Well, uh, is, that, is it pertinent to it, the actual- Absolutely. He wrote this play specifically because of an event that happened in his own life. Okay. He was a playwright in the 50s, I believe, 1950s. And he wrote a play that he loved and that had a very heartfelt and genuine message. And in order to get producers interested, he had to let them change things. And ultimately, a bunch of producers took this play that he loved and with a beautiful message, and they twisted it and turned it and they changed it completely. And it had, they tore out the message because it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to play, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, People yeah. nowadays, they don't care about that sort of stuff. He let them do it, but after it happened, he made money, but he was so upset. He was so upset. And so he made, he wrote this play afterwards as like a, because he, uh, he read about Thomas More and how Thomas More stuck to his guns and he refused to back down in the face of his own death. And Robert Bolt was like, that's a man worth emulating. Right. Firstly, have you ever had that happen to you? Where you've written something or done something and then had it torn apart by other people? Uh, no, not to the degree that Rob. I'm not, I'm just, yeah, I know that, but like, is it just because even yeah, in here with people... the editing stuff, it's a, it's a unique yeah. experience to people who produce stuff that then obviously gets edited potentially by other mm. people that you have to have, like, you do have to have that, like, oh, it's still me there, yeah. but it's not me. And it's like, I didn't choose to say, like, I had an example. I used to do this newsletter where I used to work and it went to an editor and they did all these changes. And it was still my name on it and like my article, but it was just ripped apart and completely not anything of what I'd first written. And it was mm. so upsetting. <laughs> like, Yeah, with any creative endeavor there, there, if you're working cooperatively, there comes a point where you need to let go of the reins and someone else takes it. And you're kind of going a bit on faith that they're going to keep it true to the message that you gave it. Mm. And absolutely, I've had that feeling of, f- first off, I always... Always, I have the feeling of like, mm, my baby, <laughs> when I let go of something creative that I've done. And there's, you know, that feeling of like fear that it's going to be destroyed. And sometimes it has been changed irrevocably. And sometimes I've been unhappy with it. But for the most part, I'm, uh, I've never been like, I hate it now. And sometimes I've just been like, well, that just wasn't what I was intending. But I've never... I've never hated something because someone else changed it. But I understand the feeling. Yeah, that feeling of like yeah. it getting twisted and taken and turned mm. into something you didn't want. Absolutely. Okay, so I was just saying, all right. So, so then he, he wrote this play. Is there more? You said you had heaps on Robert Bolt. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to get into like too, too much. I, we can go any direction you want. We don't have to do it at all. It's up to you. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I guess I very much, especially at the time, I don't know, it hit me just at the right time because I was myself working on like a collaborative sort of endeavor with some friends. And at the time, 
it kind of hit me at the exact same time because I, I had these feelings when I was working on the collaborative, uh, it was like a website thing, a silly little thing that I did in high school that I don't think exists anymore. I've not checked in on it in a long while. But at the time, it felt like life or death sort of stuff. And whenever you were, you were 16, yeah, <laughs> everything does. Yeah. yeah. I was 16. I was like, this is going to be for the rest of my life. And two years later, didn't even remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't put word because I'd never worked creatively that much, let alone with someone else. I couldn't put a name or a put, couldn't put a finger on the feeling, the dread I had. Whenever I let go of something and knew that someone else was going to be changing it and working on it. And like a month later, we started studying this book and it was like, it all hit me. I was like, I understand. I understand how he feels. And as well, something about, I've always been someone who, who identifies with like that, that idea of a noble or a noble nature to humanity. Uh, like a nobility. As in like everyone has that, or you mean that as an aspiration? As uh, That is an aspiration. I don't know if it's buried deep within everyone, but I'm not, I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying that like the idea of a noble, incorruptible person is something that really captures my imagination. Really? Yeah. Okay. So not like in terms, so in terms of having ideals that Mm. kind of a bigger than yourself almost that you yeah. stick to in the face of other things coming up and yeah all that. is the that something I- that's important to you the idea of like a noble knight who has like that strict code of conduct that doesn't make life easy for them but when you see it you can see that the person is like trying to be better trying to rise above like the natural order or something like that yeah it's trying to have more going on than just reacting to whatever yeah like, they have an ideal they've set themselves so do you think that you do that? I I feel a little bit like Robert Bolt, to be honest. I feel like my ideals are high and mighty, but easily corruptible in the face of discomfort. <laughs> That's just <laughs> So you just so you got good ideals, but the world makes you I wish I did, yeah. There's yeah. something or uh, let me tell you about something. So I I went to a fair uh, a couple weeks ago, let me give you an example. A fair a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of mates, including longtime friend of the show, Jackson Bailey. Yep. And longtime contributor, Jackson Bailey. And we were sitting on the grass having a bite to eat at the fair, and a kid walks past on his own crying. And just so many people, families included, just were ignoring this kid who was quite clearly obviously distraught. And without even thinking, as soon as he saw it, Jackson got up, went over to the kid and asked if he was okay and was like trying to help the kid immediately. I, I know it's like, I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but that idea of like setting aside tea and crumpets or whatever you're having. I think we, we <laughs> went, fairs do you guys go to? There were crumpets, there were not crumpets, there were scones and we were having scones at the, anyway, he set aside some scones, <laughs> okay. got up. Jackson was like, now from this point forward until this is resolved, this is my day. I'm mm. getting this kid to his parents. There's something when no one else was doing it, there's something like noble about that. Right. Okay. And I was just very, I was like, wow, that's powerful. And that's, that's the sort of thing, that's the sort of person I want to be. Someone who sees a problem and just gets up and helps. Okay. Really? Yeah. All right. It's and an I, aspiration. And you felt that when you first read that as well? Was that yeah. same thinking? I saw in Robert Bolt the desire to be someone like Thomas More, and I felt 
very strong kinship with that desire to be an incorruptible force for good, I guess. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So in a lot of ways, you're actually vibing as much with the background story as with the actual story itself. Yeah. I got a strong romantic streak in me. I think you can tell that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So since then, have you actually looked at any of the other stuff that Robert Bolt has done? No, I haven't actually, which I think is probably a missed opportunity. Well, maybe not as well. Mm, yeah. Potentially. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you appreciate some form of art and then you see other ones and you're like, oh no, I did. I might have misread. <laughs> it might have gotten a bit dry if uh, Robert Bolt wrote about nothing else as well. I'm sure a lot of his plays are about a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had that first. How many times have you re- do you reread that? I have read it twice, the book itself. Oh no, actually probably more times than that. I can remember reading it twice, but I would have had to read it more than that to make I've made, this book is dog-eared and full of notes, if you will check. That is, yeah, yeah. And that, that's from, yeah, in fact, yeah. it was year 11 and you had to take the notes. Studying it, yeah. yeah. And I loved making every single one of them. I had a you lot were, of fun. You were waving your f- nerd flag very proudly <laughs> right now. And I appreciate that. Yeah. that is, uh, it's important, yeah. Okay. The other thing is, this is obviously a fairly high, high... Highbrow. Uh, highbrow yeah. choice. Okay, so... To ask, a, I guess, a question is, how much of it has to do with the fact that it's highbrow? Um, you know what I mean? I... And if you... I, I, it's a bit of maybe a deep question. I don't know. No, that's a, it's a decent question. That's a fair question. I'm not sure. Yeah. I genuinely don't know if the highbrow nature of it makes it more appealing. Certainly after watching that play, I was like, man, plays are rad. I should go see more plays. <laughs> Yeah, I I haven't really done that a lot, but I also don't know where I, I well, no, I, I could just look into it. That's so easy. No, that's on me. I don't watch any plays. I want to watch plays. I wish I was the sort of person. You're actually thinking about it now. You're absolutely right. It being highbrow probably made me more attuned to it. Yeah. I clearly want to be someone who watches plays and is highbrow like that. <laughs> hey, man, that's all right. I'm the exact same. That's why. Yeah. I- 
Do you have any other elements where you think that happens in your life where you, you do the highbrow thing? Um, and especially, and maybe not even enjoy it, but enjoy it uh, as well. That I've not enjoyed it. That's a good question. Yeah. Like either one, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> I feel like sometimes, uh, no, but I do enjoy it. All right. So I do enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to, if I'm in a an open space, a natural space, I like to take in like artwork or things around me, even though I maybe either don't understand it if it's literally art. But for example, the other day I was walking through a park or like a reserve or whatever that had statues all over the place and dedications to them. And I wanted to stop at every single one, read the plaque and consider the statue. And I I am in no way qualified to do that. I just wanted to. And I did enjoy it. So did the plaques have a description of the actual artwork or what was just about who it was? It was poetry for? to go with the art. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Right. So that's, it's, it's very much part of it then, mm. yeah, to have that experience. Okay. So when it pops up, you're more likely to just kind of fall into that, but you don't, you're not really seeking out galleries or anything like no, that? No, I'm not. It's if it happens, I'm there and I'm enjoying it. It's, it's interesting. Like I find this – because I'm the same in a lot of yeah. ways. Like as in I have noble aspirations <laughs> to think especially to my – appreciation of art rather than my yeah. moral compass but i'll say in terms of my appreciation for the fine arts noble aspirations and i love the australian state library it has like a wonderful museum attached to it and art gallery attached to it and i do not understand history or art but i love going there and looking at the things they have and reading the little plaques so that's that's again that's fair enough yeah, yeah. i mean it's um is that here the australian state library yep it's across the road from the, uh, the parliament no, it's next to Melbourne Central Station. Oh, okay, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, so I guess sort of related to that, then in terms of appreciating things, have you ever gone to, like, let's say one of the big names, like the Louvre or something like that? I don't – I've been to – Louvre's in Paris, right? Just yeah. double-checking. <laughs> okay, right. That's kind right. Of a just stupid figuring out what level we're <laughs> Yeah, no, that's kind of a stupid question because I definitely remember that tri- – I've passed the – because I've been to Paris, and I've definitely passed that – it has the triangular – glass prism yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. i've definitely passed that but that was like on a family vacation and my parents are not the sort of people who would go to the louvre on a vacation oh they're not no 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 right okay so they don't engage in that kind of stuff no if my parents are going to paris they want good food they want to go see maybe the eiffel tower Mm -hmm. and they want to take in like the sights of paris rather than the sights of the louvre but no like i remember but in general so like okay i get you read a bit in general? Uh, you, yourself? I, oh no, I read very infrequently. I used to read a lot. I used to read tons, but I don't read anymore. And do your parents? My parents, no. My dad is very proud of the fact that he never read a book. Okay. <laughs> Again, it's totally fine. I'm not yeah. here to judge people either way. So your both parents do that. So do you have any siblings? I have a brother and a sister. My brother is kind of followed a reverse trend of me, where as a student, He would, like, you know how you would go to one of those, when you're looking for, like, textbooks and stuff like that, you can go to one of those textbook things or whatever where students who are done with their textbooks sell them back to other students. My brother found it so funny that he would often go to those things with the textbook still in its wrapping. And I think he said that over his high schooling, he only ever read one of the books that he was assigned to read. And that was because a teacher sat down next to him and forced him to read it with her. So, yeah. I love that it's like following your dad's track there. By the Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But since he started tertiary education, he started at TAFE, he's been like a voracious reader. He fell in love with reading. He loves, especially because he's an electrician, he loves reading about the history of electricity, about people like Edison. He likes, yeah, Edison and Tesla. He like wrote, sorry, not wrote, read several biographies and uh, of them and of biographies of other people as well. And he's just become like really bookish ever since. It's so interesting. So, if, if, but uh, like specifically in the field that he kind of fell into. And yeah. Then, like that has got to be the most guy reading cliche stuff. Like there's electricity and biographies. Like that's so good. Okay. Yeah. So, so he went in that direction with it. My sister. Doesn't read recreationally, but she does read as part of her schooling and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, so she's still in school. She's studying again. She's in at uni. Okay. So you you would be in some ways the most, again, uh, don't know how else to say it, like highbrow, aspirationally? I well, Aspirationally, definitely. Yeah. I Look, I love my brother and my sister, but I would definitely say that I was the most highbrow of them as well. Like, my brother loves to read and stuff like that, but, like, he thinks art is stupid. Yeah? He likes reading because he likes learning about history, I suppose, or the history of his subject. And my sister only reads when she has to. It's not like she hates reading. She just doesn't find it fun. And that would extend to your parents in a lot of ways. My mom, I think, is as aspirational in reading as I am. She wishes she read more, but I just don't think she finds the time, unfortunately. She definitely has like a stack of books on her bedside table that she wants to read. And they're all like wonderfully trashy, like Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff. So that's still okay. Um, and then your dad's too busy like, we're carnivales. My dad, like eating and seeing the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, my dad's like, what are you, what are you wasting your nose in the book there, son? What? What did I just say? What are you wasting your nose in the book? You see, you're, you're Italian. You're allowed to put on an accent. It wasn't even an accent. Just like what, what I said didn't make sense. <laughs> it didn't make, oops, that didn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. You're wasting your, put your nose in a book. Huh? Why are you not speaking with your accent no more? <laughs> <laughs> Have some spaghetti instead of reading a book. Yeah. Okay. So then did you ever find uh, growing up, and I'll be probably referencing my own experience because I was definitely by mm. far the most bookish in my family. Yeah. And I was actually probably a bit separate in some ways mm. from the others. Like, we're, what, what ranking are you in the sibling? I'm the eldest. You're the eldest. Yeah. And is there much of an age gap between you and the second? Two years between each of us. Me, two years. My brother, two years. My sister. Okay, right. So you, oh, so you, were, the, you were the vanguard of the, of the kids. Yeah. Okay, then it might be a different deal because I was third of four. So I was like kind of shoved to the side a little bit. Third or fourth? Third of four. Oh, third of fourth. Yeah. Oh, third or fourth. We're not yeah, really yeah. sure. I went back in for a bit and came back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like kind of uh, growing up was kind of a bit separate from mm. them. But again, I was third. As first, did you ever experience anything like that? Uh, experience anything like what? Sorry? Like as in where, because again, you say the aspirationally whatever, or like high brownness. Yeah. Was there maybe a distance between you and your siblings? Or oh, was that yeah. anything that ever... Ve- Me, my brother, my sister, we, when we were younger, we didn't really see... When we were really young, we were friendly. But when, as we grow older, we didn't really see eye to eye so much anymore. And was that equally all three? Or was it you and then them two? Or... Uh, my sister's kind of standoffish with a lot of people. She's like a very, I would describe as nice, you know, once you get to know her, but she has like a, like a prickly exterior that you need to crack through to get to the soft gooey. Well, it's not even soft. She's never soft. Like (laughs) the slightly less hard. Yeah. Yeah. When, when she's friendly with you, 
her being friendly with you is when she makes fun of you, you know it's friendly. So, like, she's always hyper, uh, not hyper, but she's just very, like, aggressive as a person. So, like, for example, a common joke we have is that struggling artist thing. Anytime I'm over or whatever, and I'm maybe I'm taking some leftovers from family dinner home, my sister is like, oh, thank God you've got, you know, some food because, man, it's going to be a while till you eat again. <laughs> and that's the sort of like the gentle natured ribbing that, that we might give each other or something like that. Yeah. And she's very like all of the Carnivales, with the exception of me, I suppose, are very like forceful and direct with what they want. So you kind of need to understand with my sister that even if even if you're friendly, there's always going to be like coming into contact with her. You're always going to be navigating spikes in all directions and they will prick you. But, you know, it's it's just her way of it, it's just her way. All right. OK. And then your brother's a bit more chill, but yeah, didn't see eye to eye. Because oh, of yeah. Different paths. My brother used to be when he was younger, a bit more tightly wound. Like my brother's very, very like my dad in a lot of ways. And he's very committed to family. So when we were younger, we didn't really hang out or talk that much, maybe, or anything like that. But like, if I was in a fight, I knew my brother, not that I ever was, but if I was ever <laughs> in a fight, I, I knew my- I say, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. gypsy. I knew my brother would be there to back me up. Like he's the sort of person who, like if I didn't have contact with him for 20 years, and then out of the blue, I needed someone to help me move a body. My brother would be like, yeah, all right. He's very committed to family, like my dad. Yeah, okay, so both have that, right? Yeah. So, the, okay, and this is like this is part of the fun of this podcast and discussion is trying to tie things together and all that, and it's just fun, and it can be either way, whatever, but like it sounds in a lot of ways, uh, you could argue, and I'm just putting this out there. Yeah. He has that trait, which you would say is like Mr. Moore, mm. of having a value system which is unchanging and sounds like when you say family, you could argue that that's the kind of thing that that is, right? Where it doesn't matter what happens, he might be fighting with you or whatever, but he's always going to have your back on that certain thing and that's unchanging no matter what. Absolutely. He has, he does share, he doesn't share a, a whole lot of qualities with Thomas More, <laughs> but- I'm not saying there's a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that idea of like, this is a rule, this does not break. Yeah. That is definitely, yeah, I would say absolutely they share that. And that would be the kind of- he definitely got that from my dad, who definitely also has that. My dad's like family above all else. If you're my blood, then it doesn't matter what you've done. You're my blood. That's it. That's what matters. And like, again, because when you talk about this idea of someone having ideals or aspirations higher than themselves or bigger than themselves, I naturally go towards that idea where someone would say, yeah, no matter what, like you're the blood or whatever, it means I'm always going to be there. I don't care. Like that's an ideal mm. that someone's aspiring to more than just themselves and reacting to the things around them. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, probably different to what you were thinking because it's it's still about family rather than noble ideals higher than that. There's, I think, more to it with Thomas More, but I would I would agree with you that there's definitely like a common core. Mm. There, so the Thomas More, the ideals are kind of based around like he's he's not saying that blood is the only thing important. He's saying that these rules and compassion. And justice are what is important. Okay. And is me doing the devil's advocate thing here? Yeah. Um, go for it. Yeah. So, so, but like you appreciate those two separate things. So one is the Mm. passion for sticking to a certain code, whatever Mm -hmm. that is. But then also you think that code specifically that he believes in is the correct code. I don't know if I would necessarily say it's the correct code, but I would say that it's a definitely an admirable one. The idea of honesty above all else, maybe. Yeah. 
But yeah, absolutely. Like of all of my brother's traits, the idea that he would stick by me no matter what is probably, well, of course I would think it benefits me. Of course I love that trait. <laughs> but um, but no, seriously, I do, I do think that that idea of like undying loyalty is very, very admirable. And I hope I have the same. But you feel in some ways maybe... Maybe I don't. Yeah. Yeah. In a gut I hold sense. my. I feel like I hold myself to a very high standard, maybe an unfairly high standard, definitely higher than I hold my, the people around me. Mm. But in terms of the code that you've given yourself as well, mm. rather than anything else. Yeah. Because um, I'm vibing totally, because I, I actually think yeah. that I feel the same thing where like I have aspirations to what I want to be, but mm. even maybe I would see someone else, like you said with the Jackson thing, where he's the first one to get up and go yeah. do that. Because for him, it wasn't even thinking, mm. right? He just did. Just did it. And like for even me and my most high-minded would always be like, I guess I should probably go and look at that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's just like an ingrained, inbuilt, deep down I thing. get that, yeah. And that's what I mean when I'm saying like, yeah, it's the aspirations might be bigger than the, uh, yeah, you want to be yeah. something more than, but it's not that gut thing that's there. And that's what you see with someone like your dad mm. and your brother maybe where you see that sort of thing coming through. Okay. Absolutely. Since we're still on the yeah. topic of a man for all seasons and- I don't know if this is going to be a bit real thing now, but uh, you're talking about the religious versus the stuff that he talks about. I just can't help but asking, do you have any strong views or casual views about religion? So if I had to fit myself into a one of those agnostic, Catholic, one of those brackets, mm. I would say that I would technically fall under the description of atheist. But if you asked me and I was allowed to say anything, I would respond, I don't think about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't tend to give a lot of thought to whether or not there is a God. And I wouldn't even say that I was atheist. I would say that I just don't really think about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you're allowed to say that. Yeah. <laughs> really? So, yeah, because do your parents fall into, like, they... My parents are both... <laughs> they're Italian Catholics, which means that they go to church twice a year for Christmas and for Easter, and they're thinking about cutting out Easter. Yeah. And they, it's the, yeah, it's the sort of, they both do describe themselves as Catholic, but it's kind of like a crazy, with my, well, my dad's one thing, but with my mom, like, my mom, I guess she says that she's Catholic, but like, she doesn't really follow a lot of Catholic doctrine. She's kind of Catholic in name, maybe only, but she does, I think she does believe in God. She just doesn't believe in a lot of things that Catholics say about God. Or at least doesn't follow the rules that Catholics say you should with God. And my dad, I don't know, it's insane. There's, like, sometimes when he seems like... My dad is the sort of person who, if I had a kid, would insist that we baptize them and that we do confirmations and communions and stuff like that and all the things. But I don't know if my dad has been to church in the last... For other than, like, a communion or something like that, I don't know if my dad has been to church in the last two decades just for like a Sunday service. And my dad definitely does not follow Catholic doctrine. Like my dad is fine with theft, like not from another person, <laughs> but like, man, my dad from is the government. Just, yeah. From the government or from a corporation doesn't care. Sometimes maybe, Oh, like I've never, I don't have any proof of this, but I feel like in the right circumstances, my dad would be fine with theft from another person as well. <laughs> okay. My dad is like, says he's Catholic, but his ideology is actually family first, then the rest. Yeah. 
which again, and that, well, I mean, it's funny how like you say that because like I do see that. Uh, I've got my own theories about the fact that a lot of people who think like that mm. do have a religious streak in them in some way, but I don't know if it's as much the religion yeah. as much as it's the structure and the order and the hierarchy and that mm. kind of thinking which suits their moral compass a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? And like, for example, are your siblings at all? My brother, I believe, is very, or not very religious, but my brother definitely, I think, believes in God. And he certainly in his youth had like a very religious period. Like, my brother briefly went to a born-again church. Wow. And I have a lot of strong opinions about that. But my brother, like, my mom was afraid that it was a cult. And it might have been a cult. I don't know. But my Jury's bro- still out? Jury's still out on that one. But my brother lost interest. Or, like, he had that very religious stage and then kind of, like, lost interest or lost faith a little bit. But he might still be a little bit religious as well. Certainly... He did not have a high view of the born-again church that he went to. <laughs> I remember talking to him once about it, and he was like, it's just all bullshit. Was, they were just lying and doing a lot of bullshit. It was very funny to hear him say that. All right, so he did yeah. come out of it okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. He He's definitely not. Born-again is not the religion for him. Yeah, I mean, I think when a lot of people go down a walk checking out stuff like that, I've just mm. had it myself and family, um, a lot of time you just got to kind of it's kind of someone like when someone gets in a bad relationship. Yeah. And you you want to let them know that if they're going to stick to this, that's okay. But also, I have my reservations. I just want to let you know. Mm. I think it's kind of like that. I don't know. Is that yeah. No, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Actually, speaking of that, relationships, how, how, how are you doing? Are you, are you single? I'm currently seeing someone mm-hmm. who themselves is quite religious. They're, she is a Quaker which is a type of Protestant. I've learned a lot about Quakers since I've been dating her. I knew a little bit, but I've learned a lot. Quakerism is very, very loose as a religion. They believe in a direct connection to God. So rather than having priests or anything like that, the individuals are responsible for having their own unique connection with God. Well, first off, it's very, very liberal as a religion. So they're very like pro kind of whatever. They don't mind who you are and where you've come from or anything like that. So long as I think they have like three, she said there's like three ideals. It's like honesty, equality, and I forget the other one, but basically what it equates to is there's no, like any symbology or hierarchy they are not allowed to have. So she's not allowed to take a title. So I think, I think doctor is allowed, but like Lord or lady, she's not allowed. Doctor is okay because she, like, worked and earned, or if someone who was a Quaker, they worked and earned that title. Yeah. But she couldn't become, like, president of the United States or anything like that. That's a title. She's not allowed to do that. There's no, like, differentiating people. There's no, like, you are more important than me. It's a real socialist sort of, or communist sort of thing. Yeah, it's something like that, yeah. I don't think she describes herself or identifies as communist. (laughs) I know. Actually, I know she doesn't. She's very anti any sort of government structure. Well, not any sort, but she's like, she's very pro small government, like community based government. Like she, she doesn't mind that sort of stuff, but she has a lot of problems with like institutionalized governments. Yep. I mean, that does go hand in hand with religious beliefs by the sound of it. Yeah. And she, uh, I know that this part is kind of like personal to her and a lot of Quakers adopt this, but not all of them like follow it very stringently, but she doesn't lie like ever. Wow. Yeah. She has to be honest completely and a hundred percent. About everything. Yes. 
Like, does she do the workarounds? No, no. She's or does not, that get included in as well? She will be polite sometimes. Like, being honest doesn't mean that she has to be very blunt or, like, cruel or anything. Like, So if someone, I don't know, if someone's like, if I'm like, does this outfit look nice? And she doesn't think it looks nice. She might, you know, rather than saying, oh, it makes you look ugly, she'll be like, you look nicer like this or something like that. As an example, that's never actually happened. <laughs> Hasn't it? It didn't happen yesterday. No, no. This is a Good. specific I example. I love this hat. Yeah, it's, um, it's very complicated and nuanced. Well, so that's, like, yeah. Yeah. So I can describe it, but it's, it's just easier for her to talk about it because everything feels like it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. So, like, she definitely is not a fan of, like, big institutionalized governments. But, like, that doesn't mean she hates every element of them. Mm. So, like, she has, you know, she has a lot of reservations and issues with police forces and stuff like that. But she uh, she herself has described her, you know, feelings about police as mixed. Because, you know, she has seen firsthand in a lot of instances a lot of, like, police corruption and stuff like that. But also, she has also been helped by the police in the past. And so she's like, well, you know, it's... She believes in individual people, but not necessarily the institutions that they work for. Right. Which is not something I uh, would disagree with, actually. Mm. But again, I just can't help because of the fun of this sort of whole thing. Yeah. So you're dating someone who sticks to an ideal. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Noble aspiration. How did I fall in love with her? One wonders. (laughs) Yeah. Of never lying and something which, yeah, because hmm. I'm guessing you don't. Uh... Let's not look too much into that. That's oh, no, a bit this, Freudian, that's, isn't it? This is. This is <laughs> I not just Freudian. love how, yeah, No, no, we're just using psych words yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's and uh, does she work in a in an art gallery? No, she works in. Uh, <laughs> just well, to add more layers to this. Yeah. She works next. She works advertising adjacent, which is very funny. She works in marketing. Yeah. So she as well is very stringent about who she works for as well. So mm. she, if she thinks that the company she's working for doesn't really, she would never work for a company that she didn't believe in. And she just can't. She's not really allowed to. Based on her own moral yeah. code. So this, this person is sounding a lot like what you would want to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. Look, hey, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> okay. Right. So let's just... We've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, that's part of what the fun is. I think we should probably uh, start closing off. So I guess one of the last things I'd like to ask those after this discussion we've just had and looking at that book, do you reckon you're going to look at it a bit different? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Would I look at it a bit differently? Well, it's very interesting that on today's show, I did actually finally make the connection of my love of a man for all seasons and my love for my girlfriend. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I love you. You've got to write that in your next card yeah, to her. Well, I'm absolutely going to bring it up the next time I'm talking with her. So You're my man for all seasons. Yeah, you're my man for all seasons. Well, absolutely. She's not. I. Uh, we were going through. The movie is on Netflix, if you're interested. And, and it's good? I, yeah. Oh, I love them. I've watched it like two or three times. I love that movie. It's so wonderful. So we've passed it on Netflix or whatever. And maybe tonight or whatever, if we're trying to pick a movie to watch, I might bring up A Man for All Seasons, talk about how I realized today that my love for A Man for All Seasons might be somehow tied with, not tied as in I love you equally, tied with (laughs) my love for you. Would you like to learn more about Thomas More? And what do you think about Thomas? That's the takeaway I'm getting from this. The takeaway is I want my girlfriend to sit down and watch A Man for All Seasons with me 
so that I can get her take on Thomas More. It's <laughs> just some nerdy stuff in some ways. Yeah, I absolutely. Love it. It's just it's romantic. Is it romantic? I don't know what it is. It's I just, don't know either. Your girlfriend sounds like a lucky lady or not. I'm oh, not I'm sure. definitely the lucky one. Okay, well, um, then we'll close it off. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, everyone, that's Adam Carnavali. Adam Carnavali. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.